Hello, everybody. Welcome to a brand new, long-awaited, much-anticipated, hotly anticipated, I might even say. Because as soon as we don't do one of these for a few weeks, people are like, guys, what's up? Where's the show? I want the show. Yeah. Give me the show. And uh, we yeah. are here giving you the show. How's it going, David? It's going great. And yourself? Uh, yeah, pretty good. We were just having a discussion off the air that I have a mild sore throat. Fairly sure I don't have coronavirus. Uh, I don't really go out. So, uh, yeah. I mean, there's no lockdown, but my kid's like seven months old now. And uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's why I don't, I don't really, you know, I go to work, I come home, I go to bed. It's, uh, yeah, it's uh, mm-hmm. coronavirus free mm-hmm. living. That's the way I want to describe yeah. it. Same here. There was like uh, when all the quarantine stuff started here, I was like, I have to change absolutely nothing about my lifestyle. Yeah. Everything is the same. <laughs> exactly the same. I, I I mean, I'm sure someone's made this joke a million times, and so it's not even funny anymore, but I've been socially distancing my whole life. <laughs> yeah, that was that was pretty much, a, you know. I mean, my office. I mean, what did change is no one else is in my office building. And I mean, I was always in my office by myself yeah. anyway. But and no now there's neighbors. just no, now that I have the whole building to myself. It's nice. So. It's nice. No one banging on walls, <laughs> yeah. making noise. Yeah, no, I can turn up the music as loud as I want, which I take advantage of now. Yeah. So. <laughs> nice. Uh, shall I do some housekeeping and then we can get into well, what are we talking yeah. about today? I see what we've learned this month. Are we recapping? Yeah, we're going to try it. We're going to try it. And I mean, it's not going to be like a. I mean, we'll intersperse with the normal stuff, of course, uh, but we'll see if people like it. Uh, we'll do it maybe again, because um, mm. the main point of this is to try to come up with a way to turn out more episodes, less time, because the normal ones take a lot of uh, a lot of time. This one was pretty quick to put together because it was so fresh in my mind of everything we've sort of been working on the last month. So I didn't really need to do any normally. I'll have to go re- you know, re-research things and look deep into that and this and that. And this, I just already had it kind of all in my head. And so just kind of put it down, bulleted it, and it was quicker. So yeah um i'm keen to try it out see what people think as i say on my other channel i always encourage people if you don't like it you know smash that dislike button i mean that's what it's there for really and uh Uh, leave a review about what you think yeah or or leave us a positive review that's also welcome uh on itunes or wherever you get your or apple Podcasts. it's been itunes it's been apple podcasts for like a year now and i still always say itunes because i mean it's been itunes my whole life i'm stuck in the past david um yeah. we are having a contest still going on i think we're at like 800 reviews or something now when we get to a thousand reviews on itunes we are giving away a one thousand dollar amazon gift card so leave us a review for your chance to win how exciting mm-hmm. um i actually mm-hmm. that is quite exciting i'd say that's a pretty good contest i mean it's not a lot yeah, of, <laughs> i mean i think the biggest amazon gift voucher i ever have given was 500 euros um mm-hmm. and I've, I've definitely not received anything so large you can buy a lot no. of stuff on Amazon with a thousand dollars. Yeah, you could buy a. Yeah. You could buy one iPhone. <laughs> I'm not even yeah. sure you could do that. I recently like was it's. I, I tend to upgrade my phone like every two or three years, and it's about the time. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, when did these things start costing over a grand? When did that happen? Yeah, because it's really expensive. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I still always go with the uh, sort of the mid-tier, which is always like the price to what you get ratio is always the, the sweet spot, that, that middle, you know, that's like half the price, or you could pay like a lot more for, you know. That's true. For like 10% better. That's true. And it's not like I use all the features. I do want an iPhone because yeah. I prefer it, and I know yeah. you're your Android. You must be Android. Yeah, I yeah. I go with you. like the... Yeah. Yeah, the Google always does that. They have their, like, the uh, one I have right now is, like, the Pixel 3a, which is, like, 
half the price of their flagship one but like you know it is like 80 percent of the phone you know like and honestly i don't even use you know it's not like no, i do gaming saying, on my phone yeah. or something so <laughs> the thing is like we've got a super power processor for games and i'm like okay yeah. great i've never gamed yeah. on my phone in my life no, honestly I was happy with my old phone. It was just the battery w died, and it was one of those that you can't like to. You have to unglue the screen to get it. And I, I, oh gosh, you know, no. talked to a guy about doing that. He's like, "Yeah," he's like, "I do that." He's like, "But fifty-fifty, I'm gonna break it." So he's like, <laughs> um, yeah. "And it was, I mean, it was like that's what he does, you know, repairs phones and stuff." But he's like, "And I can replace the battery if I get the screen off without breaking it." You know, I can do it, but otherwise, so. yeah. I mean, they're not designed yeah. to be repaired, are they? We should uh, no. let's let's do some stuff. Um, yeah, let's talk do about I something interesting. I've got other intro points. Do you want me to deal with these? I can deal oh, with yeah. these now, or I can do them yeah. afterwards. I w no, I'm actually interested just to... Well, t I mean, we can just... I thought we'd just tease them and not really talk about the whole thing right now, and then just if people want to... Well, one's the people who aren't can I, stick around. I can't talk about what happens at top 10s yet, because this is this still about really? the hack? Are you still curious about that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, to, to, to waylay the rumors, I'm not suing anyone. No one is suing me. That was the biggest thing when I said I can't talk about this. It's, mm -hmm. uh, it's not anything so interesting i'm afraid uh it's just when uh, yeah um this will be elaborated on in the future and i will explain right. everything and why and all of that jazz it's it's boring um it's it's truly boring but i'm sure people, people still like, how exciting people ask constantly in the comments oh uh, i know um oh also visual politic why I'm, is that i haven't been in the comments in way too long people yeah. ask on today Lots i found out why i'm not presenting visual politic anymore yep totally Tons. wow um i don't know it's uh, like a bunch of reasons basically i think like the main official reason is like careers evolve you know um i do a lot of channels i present a lot of things and i wanted to focus on other things and this and then more like less officially i think about my career and i don't know I, i'm not i'm not that into politics and I don't really mm -hmm. want to be. I'm an entertainer. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I don't really have... My political opinions are boring. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, not important. Let's move on. Um, yeah, all right. You want to do a quick fact? Um, yeah, where well, I was going to... I don't know. Did you like... I, was I skipped discuss, over the upcoming video promo. By because the time this publishes. Sorry, I was talking over you. Oh, sorry. I didn't... It cut out, so... Uh, I was just saying, I see the upcoming video promo, but I feel like we've been talking for 10 minutes and people are going to be like, where's the facts? Yeah. All right. Know. Quick facts. <laughs> okay, um, so, into some facts. have you ever felt like your friends are more popular, happier, and wealthier than you? No. Well, no. For the app, yeah. You're, you're going to be an exception <laughs> on a lot of this. I'm the because best Because you're, you're actually the person, because like, uh, so like, I'll, I'll get into it and then we'll talk about it. Uh, so... In the general case, though, you're probably right, and it's something called the generalized friendship paradox. And so this was first proposed in 1991 by sociologist Scott L. Feld. And uh, so he demonstrated this conclusively, that your friends, on average, will have more friends than you, and among these other things. Um, so how does, this, how does this work? And it's because most people have a very small number of friends, but, but there I'm are a small popular, percentage David, of people who have many about. friends... <laughs> And these, by definition, you will be friends with one of these people. So on average, your friends in general will will have more friends than you slightly. Um, so that's kind of the, the gist of this. And this is why you are the... Uh, so this also accounts for like social media and stuff. So like most of your friends, on, on average, your friends will have more social media followers and stuff like this. And so like I you know, have like, like these big accounts. And so I'm like, I, mean, I don't know anyone who has more except for one person <laughs> that I know. 
you're like the top of the tree. And so you, you make this still true for me is that, you know, you know, your social media accounts is just way more. You blow it out and you blow the average for, for that. So then who would, well, who yeah, would yours but then be? Like, it's like, because of that, I, I, I mean, I think on average, I probably do have more than the vast majority yeah. of people, but it still sort of applies yeah. because it's like, yeah. But then again, I know people who have like millions of followers on Twitter or whatever. And so it's like, oh, oh that's true. Okay. Because yeah. I don't know, because as you circulate in like the YouTube world or whatever, you're like, yeah. oh, well, yeah, I know you from this. And then you're naturally going to meet people who know lots of other people and are also popular because they're like internet famous or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So it does kind of apply. So, yeah. But so, yeah. And this, uh, they've looked into this, like, uh, it turns out, uh, so we have um, Young Ho Yoom and, uh, from the University of Toulouse and Hang Hyung Jo of Alto University. They also demonstrated mathematically this, uh, this uh, also accounts for pe- people, your friends on average will be wealthier and happier than you. The, the really interesting thing about this, and it comes back to, um, so Dr. Nicholas Christakis of Harvard and Dr. James Fowler of the University of California, San Diego, they looked at this inspired by the friendship paradox. They wanted to see, um, so they did a study called Social Network Sensors for Early Detection of Contagious Outbreaks. So they contacted 319 random Harvard students and asked them to just name their friends. Mm-hmm. And so they named it. And then when they put it all together, they actually had a really good tree of friends, a friendship tree at Harvard. So they were all kind of, in, all these students would be interconnected in some way. And they found that the central nodes on this tree, so the people kind of highest up on these and had many, you know, branches under, would actually get sick with the flu about two weeks before the average of the rest of the subjects, you know, the non-central nodes. And um, they also, these popular students on average, uh, got sick a full 46 days before the flu epidemic peak. And so they were kind of proposing this as a way, if you track these central people, these really popular people, you can actually sort of predict when the peak flu season will be or some, or it doesn't matter what, you know, it could be like COVID, like the same type of thing. You can, they're the early warning signs of these people who are at the center of the, the friendship. I think to mode. me, this just, uh, just sounds like God punishing people for being popular, to be honest. <laughs> um, that's my opinion yeah. on that. It's definitely yeah. God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it kind of, it makes, it totally makes sense uh, why that would be the case. But, um, but yeah, it's kind of fascinating, I thought. Um, so yeah, that's the friendship paradox on this, this, uh, this thing. So all your friends are, are on average, are more popular, oh, happier. It, it makes you. sense. It's kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah. That's why I'm yeah. so sad. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. Um, yeah. I don't feel like it's, yeah. Okay. I get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, good. Am I? Am I, Are we doing the bit everyone waits for now? Yeah, we all are. Right. And this one is actually good because this is you know one of. You our, can't say I mean, this one's actually good because then it implies all the other ones are not very good. This one's well, actually no, I mean, good because like, all the other stuff I'm just no, lying this is about. One, this is one raid shadow legends. We, we approached <laughs> them; they didn't approach us. See, that's a that better was, way of putting you know, it. Um, today's yeah. sponsor is uh, the absolute legends over at Backblaze. And uh, so that's right. I mean, we both used this service independent, or maybe you recommended it to me. I think maybe you recommended it to me. I don't remember. I had used it for years before we even did the YouTube channel. So yeah. Probably then. I've I've used it. Yeah. And it's a a backup service, obviously. It's called Backblaze. Mm -hmm. And what you do is, um, well, I'm using it right now. That's probably a better way to explain it. So as we're recording this episode, like I see that file being generated on my little waveform thing and it's writing all of this information to my hard disk and at that same time 
Backblaze is like, yo, what's up, new data? And it's uploading it to its its uh, backup servers. I think they're in America? It's really far for it to I'm go. Sure they're all, I'm sure they're all over the place. They probably have data Actually, centers. That does make sense if they wouldn't send it all the way yeah. across the world. But uh, wherever it is... Yeah, they do have their own... Instead of uh, uh, Unlike some who use, I think, like Dropbox uses Amazon's service, I think, um, or at least they used to. Uh, I think Backblaze actually makes their own servers, which is one of the really cool things about them, too. You can go read their, um, they put out these papers. Yeah, they uh, emailed them. They, it's on their newsletter. Read about, yeah, and it's so interesting because they, I mean, they're pushing the limits of like what you can do with data and they have to make it cheap because of how cheap their thing is. It's like five bucks a month or whatever. And so that, six, six they have to make it really Oh, is it six bucks yeah. a month now? It's still an absolute so cool. steal. It used to be five but, um, bucks a month, but we got to yeah, get they... this right for the ad read because it's completely unlimited. And yeah. I, <laughs> I once yeah. said in an ad read how much data I back up with Blackblaze, and it's a lot because yeah. you know make a lot of videos. Yeah. And they were like, "Please don't mention the the amount you back up because you're not a typical use case." <laughs> but the fact is, they you know I don't think I get spe- I don't I don't get special treatments because this is an account I don't get it for free. I pay no. for it and everything, and I've never had any issue. They've never been like, uh, "You're backing up a lot of data. Do you want to pay more?" It's just been like, okay, I pay for it every year. It's like $60 a year or how much it is a year. And I'm like, great, thanks. It's perfect. And you never have to worry about it. It's just always there, just running in the background, taking that new data, putting it on their servers. And by the way, you know this. I feel like I'm explaining it to you, but I don't really need to. I'm explaining it to the audience. This is the most freeform ad read I think we've ever done. But what you do is if you, you know... I'm touching some wood, but if you have like a hard disk failure or whatever, they're like, oh, okay, well, obviously we've got that all backed up. You want to download it and you can be like, well, yeah, I've got an amazing internet connection. I do. But if you don't, you used to live in the middle of nowhere. You had like a satellite internet connection, which I mean, sounds futuristic, but it also sucked. And yeah, totally. And you'd be like, no, I can't download like four terabytes or however much your failed disk is. I think now I've even got eight terabyte disks. And they're just like, don't worry. We'll mail one out to you with all of your data on. All safe and secure, of course, you know, so no one in the post office can, like, mm-hmm. steal your data or all that nonsense. You just can plug it in and keep it and pay for it, or you just post it back to them once you're done. It's like, boom, mm-hmm. perfect. What yeah. else do you need? Oh, I'll tell you what, you do need a 15-day free <laughs> trial of Backblaze, um, which you can get from going to backblaze.com forward slash brain food show for that 15-day trial. Obviously, if you go through that link, Backblaze like, hmm. You know where I heard? You know where we got that link from? Those guys at the Brain Food Show. That's good. Mm-hmm. We like it when you do that. There's a link below. Check Backblaze out. The bunch of legends. And uh, let's get into the let's get into the video. Uh, I mean, yeah. return to so, today's podcast, dude. Yeah. I've said that so many times. It's like let's get back to today's <laughs> video. It's like just autopilot. But we're doing a podcast, yeah. Yeah. so let's get back to yeah, that. Totally. All right. Have you ever wondered how much caffeine it would take to kill you? Or maybe some people just uh, how much is too much oh, to drink? Oh, every well, day. Yeah, that's what we're going to cover now. So a caveat, of course, before we get into it, everyone, you know, everybody has different tolerances for caffeine, you know, for very sometimes genetic, sometimes just because they drink a lot of coffee and their body's gotten used to it. Um, so they have to drink more. So Hell yeah, you can't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's me. Uh, it's, you can't, of course, get like an ex- <laughs> figure um and of course people aren't going around doing studies poisoning uh people with you know just to see how much the average would be but there are enough caffeine overdoses and stuff that people have done studies to look and see how much 
uh, seems to be too much. And so the record, the world record, the very upper limit, is a massive uh, 100 grams. Some guy, of course, they don't name the people in the studies, but um, yeah, so 100 grams of caffeine ingested at once, and that's about 1,200 cups of coffee worth of caffeine. Uh Okay, yeah, I was going to think, like, I've taken those, you know, Pro Plus, I don't know if you have those, they're like Mm -hmm. caffeine pills, popular with students, Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and those are pretty strong, and I feel like you take a couple of those, and it's like, "Mm, yeah, there's definitely some bite to them, and they're fairly tiny, like 100 grams is like, that's a, that's like a king-size Mars bar worth of caffeine. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but he lived, and it's the, it's the most ever, of course, so that's the, extreme upper limit known but uh, it turns out much much lesser doses like five to ten grams is all is generally in a short period of course um ingested is going to put you at high risk of an adult dying of that and wait so the guy took 100 course, grams survived so he took 10 times that and lived yeah wow, yeah what a 20 hero. times if you want to go with the five yeah that's crazy um so yeah i mean coffee that's still talking five to ten grams is still a, a ton of coffee so what's like 100 uh, like 60 to 120 then based mm. on the what i just said before yeah so um cups of coffee so but it turns out when you are like you say those pills or like diet pills often have just a ton of caffeine in them and uh, you can quite quickly ingest too many there um so for reference for everyone to reference uh, your standard cup of coffee has about it's 40 to 150 milligrams of caffeine depending on you know there's a variety of brews and everything. Um, so for some, uh, you know, some like Starbucks. So they have the, the Starbucks, the top end one that I could find that they offer would be a venti. It's a clover brewed coffee reserve roast and it has 470 milligrams of caffeine in that one thing. And then um, the second highest one they had on their menu was the Blonde Cafe Americano venti, of course. Uh, did I? Three, 340 milligrams. Did I imagine it? Or did I see like a, an American Starbucks menu where they had like coffee with extra caffeine? Like they do coffees, that, but with double the amount of I don't, caffeine in them. You're you're like asking the guy who like doesn't drink coffee or go to Starbucks. So. Uh, uh okay hang on double caffeine i i'm do you ever have those things where you're like i'm not sure if i dreamt that or whether i actually read it somewhere uh because if they don't they should Mm -hmm. yeah you would think that would be a thing yeah okay it's totally a thing starbucks plus coffee pods oh so this is like uh coffee pods um Mm -hmm. oh okay oh so like they contain extra caffeine (laughs) Mm -hmm. oh wow um I swear I, I swear it wasn't a dream. Maybe someone in the in the comments can say mm-hmm. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Starbucks double well, caffeinated when coffee. When you're talking that 470 milligrams, that that's is right joke. at the... No, that's like right at the upper limit of what the general recommended. Don't do this regularly, more per day. Like that kind of 500 milligrams is like safe. But like as, as soon as you go beyond that, it's not really recommended regular okay. uh, every day. So and then you're, you're having not just every day, but that you're having it all in one go, one shot. <laughs> Uh, well, so that's probably not the best. Just looking down the notes here, Monster Energy, which is like, what, a double-sized Red Bull, essentially. That only contains yeah. 160 milligrams. And that's yeah. fair. That packs a punch. And that's, mm-hmm. what, way less. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, and uh, you're talking like the 12-ounce Mountain Dew is one of the higher ones for... Um, sodas and that's 55 milligrams and dr pepper has 61 in a 12 ounce so that's like a standard can size for people who don't do ounces 330 um, mils so roughly yeah 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 so yeah so of course um significantly lesser doses have caused people to die before um particularly when when combined with like massive sleep deprivation and stuff um but 
there's also people who survived where you don't think they would, so like the, the 100 gram guy. But there's also, this one is kind of crazy. This one's the second highest concentration in a human that the person uh, survived. And this one was a baby, a one-year-old baby girl, and she ingested three grams of caffeine with her mother's diet pills that she swallowed. Uh, yeah. And she ha yeah, had massive complications in the immediate aftermath, heart issues and seizures and all that sort of stuff. But she survived the incident without seemingly any long-term damage. Um, but yeah, due to her tiny size, she was the second highest concentration next to that, whoever that unnamed guy with the 100, the 100 grams, grams was. Dude. Um, <laughs> How does yeah. he get into that? He's yeah. like, yeah, I just found all this caffeine powder. It's going to munch all that. Yeah. You, gotta, you assume he's got to be trying to kill himself, right? Like, I mean, wh how else would that happen? Because uh, that's not really, a, you can't really like tired. just ingest the hundred grams without an accident. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that doesn't seem like a pleasant way to go, though, because your yeah, your whole body is doing. Yeah, uh, we, if people want to know, yeah, like the I didn't include this because we got to be a little quicker with these ones in this podcast because we're covering a bunch. But if people want like the full video on this, they can go look at the video. We actually go into in depth like what exactly is going on in the body when the caffeine in these caffeine overdoses and why is it causing issues and things like that but um we're not going to cover that here because we have other stuff to cover um so moving on from there quick fact uh let's see for the world's longest lasting light bulb it's a 60 watt carbon filament centennial light located in 4550 east avenue livermore california made by the shelby electric company and designed by one adolphe chalet i think it was a french guy uh if i remember correctly and so how long has this light bulb been shining without burning out since 1901? Uh, wow. Is this one. So, yeah. Why do my bulbs crazy. only and last short times? I mean, other than LEDs yeah. now. But what? You'd yeah. be replacing yeah. bulbs as a kid pretty often. Yeah, totally. And this, the, the, the kind of cool thing about this is this design, this specific patent from Adolphe Chalet. Actually, there's tons of these bulbs still around. This one's just the oldest. Uh, there's quite a few of them that are still burning. Uh, they don't really give off nearly as much light as they used to, though, because, um, you know, over time, I guess they've worn out a bit. But so they give off, the like the this one in particular gives off about 5 watts, uh, like the equivalent of if you had a, like a 5-watt, you know, the filament light bulbs yeah. uh, standard today, even though it's using like 60 watts. So it's giving off a lot of heat now. But um, So it's like a really bright night light basically now. But it's still burning, and it's been, it's not been continuing. It has, they have turned it off on occasion and moved it locations, which seems risky. But um, but for the most part, it stayed on. Well, that's that kind of cheating. Time. It's like yeah, it's the longest yeah. continuously burning bulb, except when we had to turn it off. <laughs> well, but there is just like power outages and like when it moved location. Otherwise, it's been on, uh, and it's at the at the the fire that's, fire department well, that's, there. That's, that's more no, Pleasanton. No. It'd be like I've been awake yeah. for thirty three years, except when I've been sleeping. You know, I well, had to sleep. Yeah, I had but to. Sorry, if you but slept, I have like, been awake. <laughs> You know, two hours in that 30-some years, it's like, yeah, you still, that's still pretty amazing. No, you um, broke the chain. That's, the, uh, if I was Guinness <laughs> World Records, I'd not be okay with that. Yeah, I just think that what's the, I mean, who's the person who's shutting it off and moving the locations? That just seems risky. I'm turning it back on. You don't want to be that guy. Be like, yeah. just so, oh, no. it. Yeah. Finally blue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, next up. What is the largest single bet ever made? So the largest, and uh, of course here, because a lot of gambling and stuff is confidential and everything, people don't 
uh, publicly say, but there is, the at least for what it's worth, the largest publicly known one that's been well-documented. was placed by one William Lee Bergstrom, so he's better known, he was known as the Phantom Gambler, um, because he, you know, his identity was secret until he died. Uh, so, in September of 1980, Bergstrom, he strode into the Binion's Horseshoe Casino in Vegas. He's carrying $770,000, which is about $2.6 million today, in cash in a suitcase. And I wanted to do an aside here, because people in the comments on that video and uh, people in the comments on the um, George Clooney one, where George Clooney gave a million dollars in cash to a bunch of his friends each mm-hmm. uh, in a suitcase, a lot of commenters were like, that's not possible. You can't fit a million dollars in cash in a suitcase. Oh, yeah, so you can. A million and, dollars fits in like yeah. a carrier bag. Yeah. So here's one, here's one, one of the commenters, uh, if you want to read about that. Uh, anybody who believes this is either, uh, believes what? Oh, the cash in the suitcase. One, never seen a million dollars in cash. Two, never seen a briefcase in the words of Frank Sinatra. Show me how to put a million dollars in a briefcase and I'll give you the million fucking dollars. I don't believe Frank Sinatra probably said that. That sounds like... No, I don't think so. That sounds like something... But also, anyone who has seen a million dollars, it's... It's a yeah. small pile of money. Think about how much ten yeah. you, you, ten thousand dollars is like what yeah. centimeter thick, yeah. half an inch, yeah. three quarters of an inch. Yeah. Hundred dollar yeah. bill is well, really large. Lucky for you, uh, I was kind of tired of all the comments, so I did the math, <laughs> and uh, and yes, you can easily fit it in a uh, in a in a standard size briefcase. Let alone like if you have an oversized briefcase and stuff. So so you know you got ten thousand hundred dollar bills how much is that that's a stack of bills about 43 inches tall um based on the thickness of the u.s bill which you can just go google and look up i don't i didn't write it here but i had it in the math so anyways so you have that so what is that so you have a typical briefcase which i also looked up is a standard size is 16 by 11 by 5 inches of space so that means you can do two rows with about seven columns of these bills if again if you do the do the math so 14 stacks five inches tall but that's what that's what you can fit in the maximum. Like the mas- maximum you can do 14 stacks, five inches tall of these bills. But you only need about eight and a half stacks, uh, five inches tall, to make a million dollars. So you can actually put quite a bit more than a million in there. How um, many stacks was it? So 14, and you only need eight to nine. Yeah, exactly. So yes, you can easily fit it in a normal briefcase with plenty of yeah. room for all of your other money. Plenty of space. <laughs> yeah, quite a bit. You have quite a bit left over. Um, I should have done the math on how much was the maximum you could put in there of $100 bills, but oh well. Um, so yes, Well, it's going to be, what, about $1.5 million. Yeah, ish, somewhere around there. Um, so yeah, going back to Bergstrom. 14, roughly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, $770,000 he had in a, in, a, in a suitcase, or a, brief, a briefcase. And so mm-hmm. he walks over to the craps table. He says he wants to bet it all on one throw of the dice right there. And then, of course, that had to get approved by the casino owner to to say if he could actually make that bet. So Ted Binion, he went ahead and decided to let him do it because they did that, uh, that particular casino at the time had the reputation of they'd take any bet uh, if, you, if you wanted to do it, like any size. Um, so he went ahead and cool. honored that. And, yeah, and so uh, Bergstrom, he takes the chips, uh, he goes, throws the dice, walks back, and he wins. He totally won that throw, and then he just casually, and, and this was the thing is that the, the, um, the witnesses were just like, he, he didn't even like act like he was excited. He was just like, whatever, walk back took his cash and then and then the, know, the casino owner walked to do we know what his role was was he like yeah i'm gonna roll it and get a five or was it like one to three i win three to six i lose or uh, no that's six, uh, I lose. no that, that that doesn't seem to have been uh, anybody bothered to write it down how much but he did it is noted like, he had a second 
He had a second briefcase that he brought with him, I presumably just so he, if he, in case he would win and it didn't all fit. So, yeah. you know, he was at least concerned with whatever the odds the return was of yeah. it all fitting. So anyways, so the, the casino owner, Ted Binion, he walks him back to his car. He escorts him, you know, just for a little like security. And he said he just tossed, tossed it in the back seat and drove off like casual, like no, whatever. <laughs> it didn't, nothing. I s- uh, and it, so, look, he's from the future. He's definitely from, or he's got some sort of, you know, magical way of knowing. It's just yeah. so and then, well, walking this is... in there with the briefcase, the extra briefcase ready to collect his money. And he's just going in there yeah. fast. Like he's he's been sent from the future yeah. and he needs to invent some sort of machine in the past to save the future. But he needs to get money to, you know, build this machine. Yeah. Yeah. This is how, it, this is yeah. the this part of the plot. Yeah. You'd think because not only that, he comes back again. I think it was, what was it, four years later. So he yeah. comes back. At, at this time, again, uh, no one knew who he was. So he got the nickname the Phantom Gambler and the Suitcase Man. And it was kind of this story that went around because it was just amazing. Cause, and just how cool he was, like, winning it. Like, you know, whatever. <laughs> who cares? So four years later, 1984, he comes back again. Same exact casino. He goes in. And this time he brings $538,000 with him, which, if you adjust for inflation, is $1.3 million today. So it was a lesser bet. But it was still quite uh, quite large. His and machine's so he does almost it, complete. Again, he just needs some extra money yeah. to finish it. Single throw, the, single throw the dice. And he once again, he wins. And once again, he just, whatever, goes and cashes out. But this time, a few months later, he comes back again. And this time, he goes for, he bets $1 million, which now this is the new, the top, the new top uh, bet. $1 million in cash. He throws it. He loses. Oh, and it, once again, doesn't really react. Like, just whatever. And then he just goes. This time, at least, he did go eat an enchilada before leaving. And then oh. uh, and then left. And then, sadly, uh, sadly, a few months after that, he killed himself. So this is where his actual identity gets discovered. Because um, So initially, it was reported that he killed himself because of these gambling losses. But it turns out, no, he was actually independently wealthy. Uh, various real estate uh, investments. So he didn't actually need this money, uh, which is maybe how he was so calm about the whole thing. Um, it turns out it's very specific amounts to be gambling, like five hundred and thirty-eight thousand yeah, yeah, dollars. Yeah, it's weird. It feels but like yeah, he was it, having that's apparently... all your money. You know, it feels like if you've got yeah. that such a random figure, it's like okay, it's not like you're mad rich and you're just like half a mil. It's possible that maybe that's the cash on hand he had, but he had like lots of investments or something. Maybe that was like every that's like actual cash he had. Yeah. So either way. Uh, so it turns out he was actually having relationship problems with his, uh, he was having a relationship with a younger guy who left him that they used to travel around the world and stuff. And that's kind of what he did. And he just said, you know, did real estate that, you know, funded everything. But, and so, yeah, he was depressed about that. And that seems to be why. And then of course people then, why did he, why was he doing with these gambling? He didn't need the money. Like what was he doing? And his brother, at least for whatever it's worth is, is guessing, is hypothesizing that he just wanted to be remembered for something before you know and so this was because he actually did on his um in his will he requested that his identity he identified himself as the fandom gambler and you know put the the stuff and uh who bet the stuff and then sure enough it was him um so and what he specifically said in his will was he wanted to identify as the phantom gambler of the horseshoe who bet one million dollars on november the 16th 1984 so it's interesting that he wants to, you know, only identify the one that he lost. Uh, he didn't even mention the others. But either way, so that seems to be that's the largest uh, that we could find anyway of largest documented bet. I'm sure there's been ones that people, you know, private ones. But 
There is one bet that I just thought was really interesting, so we threw it in. Wait, it's hang a, on. Kerry so, Packer. So that's the largest documented bet. Yeah, single bet, Not like just an one, interesting one. Story. I mean, obviously, 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 like this one, like we're going to get into this Kerry Packer. I mean, at one point he won twenty six million dollars in one night, so he. he bets large but not on a single bet you know like just one this is one just throw. not publicized there are people there are definitely yeah, people no, out totally. there who've made bets bigger than a million dollars on like a exactly. sports game or anything because i mean yeah if yeah. you're worth like 10 billion dollars mm-hmm. a million dollars is absolutely nothing to you i think that i think the thing that will get it though is that the casino itself or the gambling whoever you're contacting the bookie they have to be like well we could lose this and so do we want to pony up on a single bet a million dollars or or 10 million dollars even though the billionaire it's maybe nothing but to them it's like oof if we lose this that's true uh, that's a good point uh, or okay that's, what that's about a, you know stings. billionaire to billionaire like i'm sure they don't do it but like bill gates and warren buffett yeah be like, <laughs> hey warren yeah, i bet you 500 like, mil <laughs> Yeah, totally. Um, I could see them doing it for like a charity thing or something. That could be actually a really good. Hang on, Warren Buffett like, had fun. a bet. Um, he bet some guy was it, I think it was a million dollars or something like this that he mm-hmm. wouldn't be able to outperform. Was it the S and P five hundred over twenty oh. years or something? And the guy mm-hmm. was like a stockbroker or whatever, and he was like, "Yeah, I'll take you up on that. Mm-hmm. I can do it." And Warren won the bet, and it went to charity. But I can't remember exactly how oh, much it was. Nice. But I'm pretty sure it was over a million dollars. Yeah. That would count. No, really? That would count. I didn't uh, come across that. I've read the uh, snowball effect. I didn't. Is it in there? I might have just. Uh, I've also read it. I don't. I don't remember. That's a long book, so I'd be surprised if it wasn't in there. But uh, mm-hmm. that's uh, a good book if people are looking for a good read. Uh, what would I search? Warren Buffett's um, stock market bet. But then there's going to be coming up with so much things that he bets on. Oh, no, here we go. Warren Buffett's bet with the hedge funds. Oh, yeah, it was a million-dollar bet. In 2008, this is no. from Investopedia. So it ties him. There you go. In 2008, Warren Buffett well, wait, issued... Well, two, 2008? Okay. Yeah. That's still... Bergstrom still beats him by inflation by quite a bit. In that oh, one, yeah, of You've got to adjust for inflation, yeah. otherwise it's not fair. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I'll just finish up if you're interested. Uh, he issued a challenge yep. to the hedge fund industry in which he charged, which char- he viewed charged exorbitant fees for uh, funds' performances that were unjustified. Um, a company called Protege Partners accepted, and they had a million dollar bet. Um, Buffett won, and uh, yeah, that's kind of it. His the S and P index fund outperformed what the um, the hand picked portfolio of this big mm-hmm. hedge fund could do. So that's like remember, folks. Just put your money in index funds. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, so we're going to talk about, though, Kerry Packer, because this, this bet did, wasn't uh, consummated, I guess. Um, but he has the largest proposed bet, um, assuming it's a true story, which it seems there's enough um, sort of firsthand accounts that say it happened. So I people remember are this one generally... from the episode. This yeah. guy's such a legend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, I cut out a lot of his legendary things in this, but he was, yeah, I mean, he was the guy, like like I said, he, he would... He would call the casinos up beforehand to say how much how much do you have on hand because he wanted to be able to gamble it and you know obviously sometimes he would lose like many millions in a night and other times like he won 26 million in a single evening uh and uh yeah so uh, i think he got banned from that casino yeah mgm grand um banned him after that one and then other casinos yeah in a single night that's that, wow. that stings uh and so yeah he actually put the aspinals in london out of business or contributed to their bankruptcy um, yeah i remember this in the episode it's kind of 
I thought that was just something that happens in movies. Or that yeah, episode no, of Star yeah. Trek The Next Generation where they have to escape the Royale by bankrupting it and Data crushes the dice yeah. so that they keep winning money. Yeah. Yeah, and you don't yeah, you don't think about it. It seems like, oh, the casino has infinite money, but no, they have they have their limits and it's just most people don't ever <laughs> and you know, they, they usually just, win, yeah. so it's it's fine. But they yeah, not when yeah, but when you talk about like these sorts of like huge bets that someone like him can make, then it can very quickly, the, even though you have the edge and the odds in the short term, can go against you pretty quick. So, but he didn't, you know, he was a billionaire, so he didn't quite care. So the story, the the, the proposed bet on hand, so he was at the, um, let's see, the Bellagio, and uh, he was at a high stakes gambling, a little uh, poker, I believe it was. Nope, it just says high stakes gambling. So, uh, so. They get approached. Gambling. Yeah, I assume it's not poker, poker not black, right. not blackjack, just high stakes. Well, because what, what, what else? I mean, what you got a table and the, you know, like of of people playing, and that other people can join in quite easily, and like I mean, I don't know, blackjack. No, what else? I would assume blackjack, but it could. But I don't know. I feel like I don't know. Whatever it was. So he, Texas Oil Tycoon comes up and wants to join the table. And Packer says, no, um, you can't join us. And so then he gets mad, the Texans guy. He gets mad. So then he boasts he's worth $100 million. So, like, you know, like they're going to let him join. And then Packer, uh, he apparently, uh, from the accounts, looks at the Texan dead in the eye and says. Um, sorry, I was trying to look up what game he was playing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm... Well, you tell me what he says while I try to find where we are in the notes. <laughs> If you really want to gamble, I'll flip you for it. Oh, oh yeah, for his whole net worth. Amazing. Yeah, yeah for a $100 million flip, the Texan didn't have the, the stomach for it because, you know, that's his entire fortune. Um, so, yeah, that's so that, crazy. that was the largest proposed bet we could find. And, I mean, that's got to be – I, I can't imagine anyone ever proposing a bet for more than $100 million. Um, no. Like seriously no. proposing it. Yeah, I mean, it would have been yeah. it would have stung for Packer, but you know he's a billionaire and yeah, he'd have know, figured so. it out. The other yeah, it wasn't it like, wouldn't have like a long term damage. It just would have been like, oof, I'm gonna have to shuffle yeah. some, sell some, some companies Can you or that guy, something. That would be uh, absolute balls of steel. Just being like, yeah, you're on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that would be intense. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the uh, that account came from um, among others the uh, Mirage Resort CEO Bobby Baldwin claims to have witnessed the exchange that night. So um, in any event, so whatever it wasn't a, it wasn't the real bet, the real winner. But I just thought it was an interesting little yeah. anecdote. So I can't find what game he was playing. By the way, I just did a quick Google search. I was I was quite yeah. keen to know, but don't yeah, know. yeah. Is he still Doesn't alive? Doesn't really matter. I, I don't remember. I think he's dead now. Uh, yeah. Packer. Yeah. What was his first name? Uh, Gregory, I believe. He is still alive. Really? Uh, nope. There's another person called Greg Packer who is. Oh no, uh, no. Yeah, I know. I know who. Wait, the Greg who Packer we've is, also yeah. done a video about? Yeah, no, I know exactly. Maybe that might he might not even be Gregory. I might just be thinking of Gregory Packer because of that guy. <laughs> the guy who that's the guy who tries to just get in every picture and news thing, right? The yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Every man. No, he's he's yeah. dead. He's Kerry Packer. Kerry Packer. Kerry Packer. Um, there we go. Yeah. Oh, he died 15 years ago. Oh uh, yeah. He was a colorful character though. He like had. Uh, I mean, apparently also a jerk, but um, he had some interesting. Yeah, no, that that like off flip for it is kind of a jerk move, but also like <laughs> absolutely yeah, that's kind of like 
par for the course for him there with like um yeah. so we had another one where he like wanted to tip that waitress like 80 grand or something but she was like no because then we have to you know i have to we have to i have to split it with everyone if you tip so you're not really giving me 80 grand which was his intent so he then demanded that the the owner fire her and then he gave her the 80 grand and then he demanded that they rehire her right after <laughs> he's like can do whatever he wants yes mr yeah, yeah and he also had there was one of them i can't remember what the oh the ambulance crew who um who he had like a heart attack or something and the one that i think it was like he gave him each like a million dollars or something just for good lord i'm gonna get him yeah like stuff <laughs> like that so he was also a jerk apparently though but also kind of a colorful anyway interesting guy um yeah. so quick next quick fact so everyone's heard of the term like nymphomania right sure uh, for and so, but there is actually a male counterpart to the term that most people don't know. It's uh, satire. Oh, I didn't uh, see before satiriasis. we did this. I always thought it was for nymphomania applied to men and women. But uh, yeah, I would have I would have said the same, um, but apparently not. Um, so satiriasis, um, which is here's the definition. You can read it. I got it now. I can. I'm, I'm at my right place in the notes. Uh, neurotic yeah. condition in men in which the symptoms are a compulsion to have sexual intercourse with as many women as possible and an inability to have a lost uh, to have lasting relationships with them. That second part is really the important caveat because I feel like the first part really describes like <laughs> a huge percentage of men like most and that you really the inability to have lasting relationships is the you know that's probably yeah. the I feel the like definite, there should be a picture of James Bond in this next yeah. you know in the dictionary. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. The, so the nymphomania, anyways, uh, from the Greek nymph, meaning bride, and mania, of course, madness. Um, and then the satyriasis is from the Greek uh, satyr, which just is a lustful woodland deity. Um, so they sort of like a horse-like goat, like a horse-like creature with also goat features. So yeah. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of ancient goat. Greek. This one was also one of my favorites from this this whole episode. I just kind of picked some of my favorite uh, stories we've covered the last month. Um, so this one was the uh, ancient Greek, the Arision of Phygalia. Phygalia, mm-hmm. sure. whatever. Yeah, looks great. So Sounds great. Well done. He was the <laughs> he was a practitioner of pancreation, which is sort of like um, a precursor to modern mixed martial arts, and it was sort of the pinnacle of the. Um, yeah, the the Olympics basically at the time, uh, mm. the the most popular sport that everyone liked. So it's kind of a mix of boxing and wrestling. And um, the rules for this sport are basically that there almost are no rules except for you can't bite, so you can't you can't do that. You can't gouge out an opponent's eyes, and you can't specifically try to aim for the groin. Like you can accidentally and you can't talk about pancreation club. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, pretty much. And but uh, pretty much everything everything else was kind of allowed except for in sparta everything was allowed there was literally no rules other than of course they're they're um you know hand-to-hand of course. not using wep- weapons or whatever um so yeah and this is also why sparta was largely banned from the olympics uh, in this event um, because they didn't have the rules um so yeah anything else punch kick whatever um so one guy even his his uh, leontiscos of messini his mm. primary tactic was to break people's fingers. And so that was like his Jesus. thing uh, to, to win. Yeah. And so. Why? Arishion. <laughs> Arishion. He, is, he was a two-time winner in the Olympics. So he was a, he'd won the last two of Pancration. And he was looking for his three-peat in the 564 BC games. And so he entered the games, as you might expect, the firm favorite. But during his final bout, so this is the championship round, he's going against, he ends up getting his opponent, catches him, and he's got like a vice chokehold on him. Like he's just, you know, and it looks like he's finally going to get beat. 
So what happens next is that, um, the exact details vary depending on which, you know, uh, account you want to read. But so um, Greek sophist Philostratus says... According the accordingly, the antagonist of Arachion already having already clenched him around the middle, thought to kill him. Already he had wound his forearm about the other's throat to shut off the breathing, while pressing his legs on the groins and winding his feet one inside each knee of his adversary, he forestalled Arachion's resistance by choking him till the sleep of death thus induced began to creep over his senses but in relaxing the tension of his legs he failed to forestall the scheme of Archeon, for the latter kicked back and with the sole of his right foot as the result of which his right side was imperiled since now his knee was hanging unsupported then with his groin he holds his adversary tight till he can no longer resist and throwing his weight down toward the left while he locks the latter's foot tightly inside his own knee by this violent outward thrust he wrenches the angle from the ankle from its socket that sounds pretty yeah. brutal um i didn't yeah. even know you could get your ankle out of its socket i didn't know that was yeah. a dislocation that you could do <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah and apparently super painful as we'll, we'll get into in a second but um so the exact yeah, details there's of all your... sorts of weird bones down there like i don't yeah. know what's in my foot and tendons weird. and ligaments and just yeah that's not gonna be especially back then when what are they gonna do if you're tearing all these things like, chop it you off know? chop it off yeah yeah so, yeah, so Burn the exact details of sort of how they got to that point uh, vary a little bit. But the, the end point everyone seems to agree on is this, you know, ankle thing and everything, getting the, the foot injury. So um, so the, the kick that, that, you know, did this to his foot caused the, mm -hmm. his opponent to collapse in agony. And he went ahead and gave up. You know, that's, that's kind of how you win this one. And so the officials go over to Arishion and they go to congratulate him on his victory. And they find out. No, he's dead. Like, he's just laying there dead, having oh, broken no. his neck. And oh. so, yeah, it's generally thought, of course, when the guy had him in the chokehold and then he kicks his foot and then he probably just, like, jerked and, like, popped his neck or whatever. And so this uh, apparently was what happened. So he's laying there. But because of the rules of the of the sport, the other guy gave up. It didn't matter that Arishion was dead at the time he gave up. So Arishion was still, still the victor. Won. Yeah, he won even though he was dead at the time. Uh, that he that his opponent gave up. So, I mean, probably not the way he wanted to win. But on the plus side for him, over two thousand years later, we're still talking about his match, like his final match of his career. Whereas yeah. nobody, nobody knows the the name of his opponent. That was never. That and no one would history. ever remember him if that had never happened. Yeah, if he would, if he had just won the normal way, it would be like whatever. Yeah. Yeah. This always all, makes all me all a forgot. bit like, huh? You know that. You always bring this up when we do podcasts, when you, something, you know, from like 1850 and yeah. it's the only record of this guy oh, yeah. in the entire of history. And it's just something, you know, that he was caught urinating in public or something like this. Yeah. And that's the only like thing the guy, anyone will ever remember about him. <laughs> the guy, when we were doing that one on the, the um, how you could divorce your husband in court by just, um, you know, showing he was impotent or whatever. And yeah. um so the so women would do that, and there was that one guy who had the they had the prostitutes examine him, and then they gave like a description of his penis that was just like, uh, it was really brutal. Like it was like, <laughs> I don't even remember, but it was just like, it was like, it was so like small. I wasn't even sure it was there. Yeah, that it was it was actually that, and it was like it was purple, like malformed and tiny, oh. and like all this, and just went into this great detail. And this is the only account of this guy. This whole, this guy. you know, he was. He was probably a nice guy, you know, uh, yeah. and yeah, that's all anyone, all history ever remembers of him. Um, and yeah, stuff like that. There was another one where there was this woman 
who did uh, who made this really clever contraption she could like pee and poop into outside of her house and it was like a thing that would go oh, off yeah, the window. Oh yeah, I remember that one well. Yeah, that that was yeah. a pretty funny one. Yeah, there's tons of these like this. It's just like, huh, yeah, this, you know, human being, but yeah, that's all anyone remembers. But they get remembered, I guess. That's something. Um, so that's that's the end of that story. So now quick fact. 12 year old at 12 years old, Simon Cal, yes, that Simon Cal, he hijacked mm-hmm. a bus. Um, on accident, so he stated about this specific event. We had these pea guns, and I was living in England in a place called Radlett, and I wanted to go to Watford, which was 10 miles away. So I got on a bus, and as a joke, it was a joke, I put the gun to the driver's head, and I said, take me to Watford. And I remember thinking, God, he's really playing the part here, because we're not stopping. <laughs> of course, the police were waiting for him at his destination. Little came of it after the police realized they were dealing with kids with toy guns. However, Cal said, my mum and dad came in, and my mum was actually worse than the police. She was furious with me. Oh, <laughs> so... He could have he could could have got in trouble for this. You can the age oh, of yeah. like criminal responsibility in the UK is ten. So on your you, oh. under ten, you can't commit a crime. Over ten, mm-hmm. you can commit crimes. Uh, so committed yeah. a crime, but yeah, I mean he's twelve. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't think he's quite realizing the consequences of his actions. <laughs> yeah, clearly, um, good story though. So yeah. That bus driver. No, yeah, and then to later, I mean, obviously the bus driver didn't probably remember the name of the kid ever but you know to become maybe he's watching this right now and he's like oh my god that was simon cowell (laughs) yeah totally finally Uh, yeah he was a dick back then too it was a great story yeah um so uh next up do blind people actually hear better than sighted people or is this just a hollywood myth and uh, i just thought this one was super interesting as well so the first part is not interesting at all because the answer is no not really, but there is a caveat that get, makes it really interesting in a bit. So, no, uh, there doesn't appear to be any, like, significant changes to the brain. Or, obviously, I mean, clearly the eardrum doesn't get more sensitive or anything like that. But, of course, blind people often seem to get better. And this is just because they pay attention and they practice Dude, like I've crazy. Seen, I've seen Daredevil. He just taps yeah. that stick against, like, the ground or whatever. Yeah. And then he gets this echoed sonar yeah. vision in his brain or whatever. Seems yeah, completely that- realistic. Yeah. That echolocation, though, is something, I mean, not yeah. to that extent, but that, that blind people often uh, master pretty well. And it turns out, though, it doesn't actually take that much for uh, a sighted person to do the same. And there's been, there actually was a study which I listed somewhere, a summary of research investigating echolocation abilities of blind and sighted humans in 2014, which showed that um, uh, sighted people could get just as good at this with just a little bit of practice, this echolocation thing. Um, so that's that's really just all that's and also of course because they're blind they're it turns out when your eyes are open of course you're um and you can see uh the what? your brain actually dominates that that uh, that 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 sense sort of dominates and actually you, you can look at brain scans that actually suppresses like your hearing and stuff which is why if you've ever been driving and you're trying to concentrate really hard on what you're seeing you'll turn down the radio to see better mm. And you actually are like, and that's sort of like further. So your brain suppresses that the hearing, but it's still there. It's still processing it. And so you turn down the radio to get rid of that extra distraction. It's and just, just like, really, yeah, it's just distraction. Yeah. It's like, okay, I really got to yeah. concentrate. Turn yeah. down the radio. The brain, yeah. And then the get brain off the can phone, focus. Stop snacking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So this is, um, this sort of thing It is really just uh, comes down to that. Why so many blind people seem to have better hearing and all that. But there is a caveat to this, which is quite interesting. It turns out if you're young enough, but like if you're just, you know, born blind or whatever, um, there is actually 
uh, you will actually develop a, a superior hearing with a caveat uh, as well. And so it turns out that the part of your brain that, uh, that processes, a certain part of your brain, I should say, that processes visual um, things, which the... Uh, so it does give you verifiably superior hearing in some ways. And so why? So the leading hypothesis is just, of course, that your brain is a lot more malleable at that point to... To, um, it's got all these connections, uh, particularly around the senses and stuff. And a lot of these over time, as you learn, uh, you know, as your brain learns to process things, it sort of severs or weakens these connections uh, between them. And then in these cases, it's just, you know, strengthening some of them between the, the um, auditory and visual cortexes and just using it for something else because it's not being used. It's just, uh, it's just sitting there. So, but while there is verifiably better hearing in these people who are blind young enough, uh, it turns out that there is actually one drawback that they can't do as well. So they can tell that when you're looking at directions of sound, like if you're, you know, if you're a sighted person, you close your eyes and you hear a sound and then you can, you point to where, where the sound is. Uh, so they can point to it um, better than uh, on the horizontal plane, can point to it better than a sighted person. However, on the vertical plane, they cannot. The sighted person will, will or the people who are blinded later in life can do it better on the vertical. So they can point the direction on the horizontal plane but they can't the up and down they can't point to exactly as accurately and it's not really clear why they have superior hearing in these other ways but that uh, seems to be caused them problems okay um, which, let me you know. guess on this one tell me what yeah. you think like if i'm on the street and i hear a car you can very easily be like it's behind me maybe you know mm -hmm. there and you know you can mm -hmm. point to your four o'clock or whatever but when you hear a plane in the sky it's yeah. harder to identify where the plane is like or an object that's coming by yeah. above you it's hard you you often look up and you're like oh um mm -hmm. there it is it takes you a few moments to place it so i'd guess maybe we're as humans we're worse at this anyway right we're worse at yeah. judging things above us for whatever reason and then as a sighted person we've had more experience being you know looking up at the sky and seeing where a plane is and compensating for our lack of ability to do that so the blind people mm -hmm. blind people who haven't had the learned like on the horizontal plane the cars are your four o'clock easy mm -hmm. for whatever reason we're good at that but then as sighted people we've learned about identifying planes in the sky or what sounds in the sky and using our vision mm -hmm. to compensate for that and blind people haven't had that experience so yeah that, that makes sense and I, I assume also yeah like you say the reason why it's maybe harder is one because it's not as practiced because most of the sounds come from more horizontal but also the way your ears are positioned right they're they're level and so you're not getting that differential like i maybe if you turned your head like you could do it uh, a little better or something like that and then yeah i reckon yeah, if you did if you had an, an ear on yeah. the bottom and an ear on the top you'd be better yeah. at identifying those uh, vertical sounds for sure yeah. that makes sense yeah totally so yeah you're probably and then practice. Right, exactly right it's just it's just harder but then but then of course it's like why yeah i mean in practice i guess but yeah but yeah so that's the caveat with their better hearing they don't have better for that um and but if you're uh, blinded later in life you don't you don't get any of this your brain doesn't um doesn't uh, co-op that space because it's already used it for it's already learned to use it for something else and um this is actually i didn't put it in the notes here but this is a, a thing with um so um deaf people who get the cochlear implants mm -hmm. sometimes <coughs> So sometimes what can happen is that their brain has already co-opted some of this the the um the the same type of thing but in reverse for the that would normally be used for hearing is used for vision but then when they can hear with the cochlear implants now the brain doesn't know what to do with that uh, so it's already rewired itself and it can't easily rewire itself back and this is a, a you know ongoing area of research to try to get it 
to to train itself back because some some people with the cochlear mm. implants it just doesn't really work because they can't their brain can't like process what's coming in properly um and so they can hear but they don't like they can't process the sounds basically because that part of the brain's been sort of co-opted for something else and so it's kind of the reverse of this type of thing and it's and and that be, in this case they want to figure out how to, can we undo that somehow so that they can you know take advantage of these um oh, brains like, are like crazy, a lot of people right? yeah yeah <laughs> brains are crazy <laughs> yeah totally um so that's that section and speaking of amazing abilities this one it's crazy from just like an evolutionary perspective. It's just like, how? Uh, so horned lizards, they can squirt a directed stream of their own blood fr from the corners of their eyes at predators. Mm. And this is a, a response to predators. They will squirt their blood at the predators about five feet away, as much as five feet away. These little lizards can just like, like a little squirt gun of their blood. I feel like this is an error because you'd be like, mm, tasty, yeah. I want more of that blood. Right? <laughs> You think you think that would be the response, but it's actually quite the opposite, and this is exactly why they're doing it. Because it turns out the, a lot of the predators that like cats and dogs and, and quite a few others that would hunt them normally turns out their blood tastes awful to them. The, these animals do not ah, like the taste of their blood. It's like don't eat and me, so I'm going to taste bad. Yeah, here's here's the taste of my blood. It tastes I taste bad, so go away. Um, but yeah, so how do they actually accomplish this? So they can they actually have the ability to uh, severely restrict blood flow to uh, um, away from their head. And this uh, causes just the blood pressure to build up to a point where it bursts certain blood vessels near their eyes. And then it just squirts the blood out, which sounds really painful, but that's their response to the predators. It's like, here, I taste awful. Go away. Um, but yeah, that's kind of crazy. Like how this double thing to develop, like bad tasting blood for one, which is good, but then they have to have a mechanism to like, you know, here I taste Give bad before sample, you actually yeah. bite, bite into me. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, kind of crazy. Like, yeah, it sounds pretty painful, but like most of you know, a lot of our defense mechanisms are pretty painful. Punching someone in the face is going to be pretty painful, yeah. but it's less yeah. painful than getting punched in the face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so speaking of getting punched in the face, Abraham Lincoln, the oh, wrestling, well done. the wrestling present president. So, um, six foot four inches tall, which is crazy. One point nine three meters. He was quite a tall guy. Um, two hundred and ten pounds, not around ninety five kilograms, was around what he weighed. I appreciate obviously. these metric things. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So he was quite lean, obviously skinny, but you know he was a, he was a big guy and mm. quite quite toned, quite muscular. And uh, also, one of his contemporaries noted he was unnaturally strong. So just also for his, I mean, forget about his. Abe size, Lincoln his, was ripped. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it, and it, I mean, it makes. It makes sense because, I mean, he a poor background and he, you know, axe in his hand at eight or whatever to start, you know, working for the family, just mm -hmm. chopping things. And that's going to make you strong. Um, yeah. And so he eventually got into wrestling. It's not really clear when, but it seems like he started around at a quite young age and actually started competing, you know, in wrestling, little wrestling matches, according to Ronald C. White, author of A. Lincoln, a biography, starting around nine was when he did. And he did a lot of wrestling up to 21 and stuff. So. And also his, his uncle apparently was quite a good wrestler as well. So mm. might have just taught him the stuff. So we're going to talk about some of his more famous fights, which are quite interesting. So um, when he first moved from Indiana to New Salem, Illinois, in his early 20s, uh, so he was using... Uh, oh, yeah, this is just a funny story. So he was unnaturally strong, you know, just crazy. So he had a friend called Slicky Bill Green, uh, and he bet him a fur hat that he could pick up an entire whiskey barrel and then drink a shot dr directly from the bunghole on, on the whiskey Legend. barrel. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and he um, apparently won that bet, according to Slicky Bill Green. How big's a whiskey uh, barrel? Is that like that's a beer gotta barrel? Be, 
I don't, I don't, I, I don't know, but I mean, I assume like you know, like a keg or something. Like, I mean, it's heavy. It's yeah, not it's something big. You could, yeah. But I even have in my mind that a whiskey barrel is even bigger than a keg. Yeah, right. I mean, I wouldn't think. Yeah, it would these be one things of those are big. Ones. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't think it would be one of the giant ones. There's probably like different sizes because if it has the, I mean, they have to move it around, right? Yeah, I guess. Um, I mean, whisk whiskey it's still pretty impressive barrel. even if it's like just a regular beer barrel size yeah I mean, that's like 80 no. kilograms yeah um so yeah so he does this and this this these sort of uh, demonstrations of root strength would get his uh his employer denton alfoot bragging about him that lincoln was not just the the most intelligent man in the region but also the strongest and so then he started you know at this time I mean, it's still like we covered in that uh, deadly, deadly hands video, like the deadly weapons. Your hands, like if you're oh, yeah. known to be a, you... t- a tough guy, you're going to attract other guys who are going to want to test themselves against you. Um, <laughs> I never thought is... about this, but yeah, I, yeah, we made this video and you're like, yeah, I mean, if you're famous for being like, if you're Bruce Lee and you're famous for yeah. kicking ass, people are going to get drunk in the bar that you're in yeah. and they're going to want to fight Bruce Lee. And as Bruce yeah. Lee, this must get really annoying. <laughs> yeah. And that's what, uh, in that video, if people haven't watched it, we covered this is, this is part of how that whole uh, my hands are registered as deadly weapons thing. People would just start, like wrestlers and stuff and fighters would start carrying cards that said this. They're totally fake. But just so people would stop trying to fight them, <laughs> just like, no, nah, I can't fight you because I'd get thrown in jail or whatever. Um, so, yeah, so this, is, this was a thing that Lincoln had to deal with. But Lincoln actually seemed to really enjoy this. And I think when you always win, as he did, pretty much, except for one exception we'll get to. Uh, and also you live in an era where that's like, especially the class he came from was, I mean, this is, you know, your worth as a guy. It's like the, you know, like the <laughs> Gaston on Beauty and the Beast. If you're the toughest guy, everyone loves you kind of thing. Um, Hell yeah. Yeah. And so a Lincoln, Lincoln. seemed to yeah, enjoy this sort of thing. So, but one Jack Armstrong, who was uh, known to be one of the toughest men in the regions, uh, he, he, he wanted to see, he wanted to test himself against this he was also the leader of a gang called i think it was the clary's something gang clary grove boys yeah clary's grove boys uh so yeah he was the leader of that gang bad yeah so he wanted to fight lincoln so he goes he goes to lincoln and he challenges him to you know a a wrestling match um so to see who's going to be wrestling just the old word for wrestling then yes yeah they called it wrestling Uh, Lincoln, yeah, uh, yeah, he talks about this in an upcoming quote. So he goes ahead and agrees, and then of course uh, they they arrange the time they come, and you know the Clary's Grove boys come along and to to watch the fight, and also a small crowd of you know just locals coming to see. I mean, what do they? They got nothing else to do. That's entertainment. Um, so yeah, Free television. What are they gonna do? <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is entertainment. So Armstrong, as as much as a reputation he had as being the toughest guy in the region. He had no, he wasn't even like in Lincoln's league, apparently. I mean, part of Lincoln's got the huge advantage of just being giant with giant arms. So that's going to be uh, his leverage yeah. and everything is going to be pretty awesome um, for uh, in this particular type of match. Anyway, other other things would not be awesome. Like weightlifting would probably not be good because his, his such long arms with the, the moment arm and everything, he would have to lift a lot more. But in any event, for this sort of sport, that that's a great advantage. Um, so, yeah, he just, he at some point, Armstrong apparently saw he was going to lose quite easily, and so he tripped Lincoln, which was, I guess, an illegal move at the time. And so, um, yeah, apparently Lincoln wasn't too happy about this, and he jumped up. He picked him up, uh, just literally picked him up in the air, and then slammed him down on the ground as hard as he could. Um, <laughs> like, enough so, of this nonsense. 
Yeah. Um, so when he did this, though, the the Clary's Grove boys didn't they didn't like their man, their their leader, getting just manhandled like that. So uh, Lincoln's um, aforementioned law partner there, John Stewart, or did we mention him? I think I might have skipped that part. But either way, John Stewart, his aforementioned law partner, then states. When it was evident that Lincoln was getting the better of their champion, the whole bands pitched in and gave Lincoln several blows. That's not fair. You can't just be no. like he's losing, so let's all beat the crap out of him. <laughs> but it's totally like a, that, like uh, old. What is? I don't know what's called now, but the WWF, whatever it's called now, it's not called that. Uh, wrestling, you know, where uh, it's all WWE. Kind of, they're all scripted, you know, like and they do it where the you know someone will tag in or someone for the audience. Yeah, but or, that's fake. This and, is like, real. It's not nice. Yeah. It, but it's still kind of the same type of thing. It's entertaining in a way to watch, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Except where poor Abe Lincoln gets several blows. Uh, oh, but they had no salutary effect on the strength of his legs. Lincoln, however, took all of this in perfect good humor and by laughing and joking displayed such excellent disposition that he at once won their hearts and was invited to become one of the company. Wait, so they were beating him up. He was laughing at them. <laughs> and then they were like, oh, you're, you're all right after all. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so yeah. So one of the one of the guys, Royal Armstrong Clary, would 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 state of all this. He won us by bearing and boldness. Jack and Lincoln were the warmest friends from then on. Yeah. Become Apparently, yeah. Uh, that yeah, is how he won their hearts. That seems to happen a lot, though. You see, like I don't know, like in school, I don't know if you're like uh, guys will fight in like high school or whatever, right? And then they're just like best friends afterwards. I mean, like, oh, I guess you, you know, know, just needed to get out your system. Yeah, just fight, and then they're, we're, we're good. But yeah, so I feel that's more were... for movies, though. Is, does that actually happen in real life? Oh, I've, I've seen it fight with a few. Yeah. I've, I've seen it with a few in high school, so yeah. Huh. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever seen that in real life. I don't know. Oh, I've not, no. n- never really fought anybody, so <laughs> it's never happened yeah. to me. <laughs> yeah, 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 no. Oh, I, yeah. So, um... I think there was... I, yes. I think I went to a school there wasn't a lot of fighting. <laughs> Yeah, see, I lived in the middle of nowhere in like a town literally called Hunters. So you know, yeah. it was more like this, like Lincoln's Lincoln style, um, white trash hill <laughs> capital gangs, um, so, yeah. the gangs um, of Hunters. Yeah. So um, in any event, really, so, it sounds a lot better than the Clary Street Boys. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Lincoln, another well-known fight of his. This one, I don't know. I just thought it was kind of funny because it's a weird look on Lincoln. You know, so anyways, so there's a family. They're getting married. They're having a double wedding. It's two brothers called Reuben and Charles Grigsby. And they're marrying sisters called Matilda and Elizabeth Hawkins. And so uh, uh, Lincoln's family, he didn't get invited to the wedding. So he, he thought this was a bit of a slight he wanted. So he, he made a sarcastic poem in which he accused the third Grigsby brother, William, of being gay in the poem. <laughs> and it's <laughs> <was> just <laughs> so <What>? juvenile. <laughs> Like, uh, yeah. Uh, this is Lincoln. <laughs> what? I've written you this poem that insults you and calls you gay. Yeah. You put it in a poem? Um, Why? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. And all right. So naturally, William, he's a proper vagina-loving man. So he, uh, he, he challenges Lincoln to a fight. But Lincoln... Now, maybe he's feeling bad about the whole thing. Who knows? Or he just wants to insult William more. But he says, no, I'm not going to fight you. I'll just, you're, you know, you're not even in my class. Like, I will just wipe the floor with you. But instead, you can fight my stepbrother, John D. Johnston, which, um, yeah, that's kind of funny just here. Fight my stepbrother. Wait, Abraham but, Lincoln's stepbrother. Yeah, yeah. He's saying, he was like, no, 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 me, I'd kick your ass too easily. So my brother, who's <laughs> yeah. weak, is going to fight you. Yeah, which, I mean, is he trying it's to It's pretty solid more? insults from old Abe here. 
Yeah, and so either way, so uh, Griggs he, he agrees. Yeah, and then he goes and fights, and he's he's uh it, right from the start. He's you know beaten Johnston pretty good. He's got him a painful hold, and Lincoln's not happy about this because of course you know he put his his brother in law or stepbrother in this position, and so he 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 barrels through the crowd and grabs Grigsby, and then just picks him up and slams him to the ground uh, off. So yeah, and actually the the crowd were incensed by this apparently because you know it's kind of cheating in a lot of ways, and then Lincoln allegedly yelled. I'm the big buck of this lake. If you, if any of you want to try it, come on and wet your horns. Yeah. So whether he actually yeah. said this is a matter of contention or not, it's also been attributed to a couple of other fights that he did. But either way, um, it doesn't appear that anyone in the crowd wanted to fight him because he was, you know, big and strong. Um, so, and this is not. This is like a thing. There's so many stories like this. It seems so wildly out of character from what you think of Lincoln. But yeah, um, it does. But yeah, it does. Yeah. But in his in his youth, uh, you know, he did this, and so like another one, um, a pretty well documented one, um, 1832. He was running for office for the Illinois General Assembly, and the first public speech he ever made on this one was in Pappsville, and a fight broke out, and one of his supporters was getting beat up. So Lincoln steps off the podium, goes down, and the according to witnesses, he grabbed the attacker and tossed him about a dozen feet through the air. Um, that was that thing. Um, so another one, oh, 300 total fights or so is what's the estimated for Lincoln in his youth. And he apparently, supposedly, always won. And this includes Lincoln himself claiming he only ever lost one fight against a man called Lorenzo Dow Thompson in 1832. So at the time, Lincoln was with the Illinois militia and he was the leader of his um, his company there that he mm-hmm. represented. Um, and naturally, because he was, you know, the toughest guy in the region. Um, so and he was quite popular, too. Um, uh, I don't know if just because of that reason or if he's because he's a really nice guy. But um, so, yeah, they tried to set up camp. His company tried to set up camp. A rival company says, no, this is our spot. And so, um, yeah, they, they exchange harsh words and then they challenge one another to to they take the each company's best man. And then whoever wins the wrestling match will get the spot. So Lincoln reportedly stated to one Professor Risden Moore in 1860. Gentlemen, I felt of Mr. Thompson, the Sinclair champion, and told my boys I could throw him and they could bet what they pleased. You see, I had never been thrown or dusted, as the phrase then was, and I believe Thompson said the same to the Sinclair boys that they might bet their bottom dollar that he could down me. You may think a wrestle, or wrassle, as we called contests of skill and strength, was a small matter, but I tell you the whole army was out to see it. We took our holds, his choice first, a side hold. I think I realized I think realized from his grip for the first time that he was a powerful man and I have no easy job. The struggle was a severe one, but after many passes and efforts he threw me. My boys yelled out a dog fool, which meant then a drawn battle, but I told my boys it was fair and then said to Thompson, Now it's your turn to go down, as it was my hold then, Indian Huck. We took our holds again and after the first we took our holds again, and after the fiercest struggle of the kind that I ever had, he threw me again almost as easily at my hold as at his own. My men raised another protest, but I again told them it was a fair down. Why, gentlemen, that man could throw a grizzly bear. Hmm. Yeah, so, and um, Slicky Bill Green also added some details there because uh, he witnessed the fight, and he claimed that Thompson overcame Lincoln the second time by, to quote him, getting in the crotch lock on Mr. Lincoln. Um, and then he also notes he Lincoln was able to slide off the crotch lock. That was his, his words, not mine. Uh, and then, yeah, and then Thompson managed to still grab him and throw him down 
quite easily. But um, yeah, so Lincoln, he gets older and uh, he's, he didn't quite fight as much. But he did do one thing similar to uh, Teddy Roosevelt. While he wasn't like fighting people in the White House, unlike Teddy Roosevelt did, uh, he did have like a test of strength that he, he liked to do. One of his, his staple tricks was to hold out a woodcutting axe and just hold it at arm's length. And then just uh, hold it and see who could hold it longer. Just hold it straight out like that. And apparently he could do this for several minutes, which is just, that would be so, especially with his super long arms. That's, that's not, that's not easy. Um, But yeah, he could basically um, apparently beat most people at this little, little test of strength. So speaking of stretching out your arms, the last little quick fact of the day. And this one I just included because it's just kind of cute. And you can Google this. You can look at these images if people want to go look. So famed entomologist Derek Rag Morley, he studied ants for the better part of his uh, his life, including he started the actually 14 years old, and he actually published his first academic paper on ants at 16, and then that ended up being his career later. But he, um, he apparently says ants stretch just like humans when they wake up, and then they also yawn too, or at least look like they're yawning. Um, and so, yeah, you can go Google these pictures. They're, they're quite cute, but... Um, Okay, well, this was another episode of the Brain Food Show. Thank you very much. Oh, we've got a review. Do you want me to read that review? It's in the tiniest font I've ever seen. Well, it's because Apple doesn't let you copy and paste the text, you know? Oh, really? So you have to... So I had to take take screenshots. Yeah. Okay, let me zoom in. Even if I zoom in on maximum, it's still quite small. But let's have a go. Uh, Thank you, JDub3388. Ooh, a four-star review. Did you choose that on purpose? No, I just because it was something? a recent. It was recent. Uh, I don't even. I don't really read them because I think it's more interesting to hear them for the first time on. When, okay, well, let me enlighten you talking. as to why this person yeah. thinks we only deserve four stars, yeah. like the weak podcast that we are. Uh, I mostly listen on Spotify, but I came here just to leave a review. I love learning new facts, and this is a great podcast for it. J Dub, I'm wondering where that fifth star disappeared to. Then I'm wondering why that's missing. Come on. <laughs> the banter between the host keeps things interesting and makes sure that no two episodes are the same. My personal favorite episodes are the one on Teddy Roosevelt. If there was one thing I could ch- this is really long. If I could change, it would be the consistency of the uploads. That's right. When the podcast started, mm. they said they may try making it a weekly <laughs> or bi-weekly show. <laughs> but as time progressed, it could be a month or two between episodes. I know I the host's think, busy. Think only like once recently we got more than one month. Uh there was That's a stretch true. there for a few months, I think, but after that, it definitely it's was. been like once a month. Yeah, I know the hosts are busy, so I understand why there is great time between these shows, but the lack of a steady upload schedule is why I took away a star. Okay, that makes sense. I just want more from you guys. But I could have taken away half a star. If I could have taken away half a star and said that's what I've done, really do appreciate the effort that goes into the research, as well as someone who wrote as as a master, someone who wrote a master's thesis on one topic. I know what it takes to get sixty pages of info. I couldn't imagine the effort put in for different topics every episode. I appreciate all the effort, and keep it up. There we go. Yeah. So get more regular, and we'll earn yeah. that fifth star. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the only one this week. Uh, leave us a review for our review contest. All of that great stuff. And we'll be back uh, definitely not bi-weekly or weekly, but probably monthly. And uh, yeah, for, yeah. for now. Working on it. For I now. got a lot of new hires and we'll see if that pans out well. Cool, cool. All right. Thank you everybody for listening and uh, we'll be back soon. Cheers. Mm-hmm.